This meeting will come to order. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the uh, Monday, October 2nd, 2023, meeting of the Rules Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I'm Supervisor Matt Dorsey, Chair of this committee, and I am joined by Vice Chair Shimon Walton, and uh, Committee Member Asha Safai is on his way. Um, together, we'd like to express our gratitude to our clerk today, Mr. Victor Young. Thanks also to the team at SFGovTV for facilitating and broadcasting today's meeting, in particular, our producer today, uh, Mr. Matthew Egnow. Um, before we get underway, I want to acknowledge a memorial in our Board of Supervisors Chambers today, which honors a former member and president of this body. Today's Rules Committee marks the first public meeting of the Board of Supervisors since the sad news last Friday that Senator Dianne Feinstein passed away. First elected in 1969, Dianne Feinstein served with distinction on this board from January 8, 1970 to December 4, 1978, when a shocking tragedy of the assassinations of Mayor George Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk thrust her into the mayoralty of this city during one of its most difficult and tumultuous moments. She was the first woman to serve as board president in San Francisco history. She was the first woman to serve as mayor in San Francisco history. She was also the first woman to win the Democratic nomination for governor in California history in 1990, which was the year I first met Dianne Feinstein. She lost narrowly that year, but as luck would have it, I worked for the political consulting team two years later that was part of her successful Senate bid. And yes, she was the first woman elected to the US Senate in California history. Um, there will be many more words spoken in the coming days about everything that the late Dianne Feinstein meant to our city, to our state, and to our nation. But as an expression of our condolences to her family and loved ones, I would ask that we observe just a moment of remembrance. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Uh, yes, the Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. Public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. The public comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, and public comment is called. Those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on the telephone, please remember to turn down your television and other listening devices you may be using. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at victor.young at sfgov.org. You may also send your written comments via U.S. mail to our office at City Hall, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlit Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. Finally, items acted upon today are expected to appear at the Board of Supervisors agenda on October 17, 2023, unless otherwise stated. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Would you please call item number one and number two together? Yes, item number one is... A motion approving and rejecting the treasurer's nomination of Brenda Key McNutley for a term ending September 30th, 2027 to the Treasurer Oversight Committee. Item number two is a motion approving and rejecting the treasurer's nomination of Amy Brown for a term ending September 30th, 2027 to the Treasury Oversight Committee. 
Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, the two individuals are, uh, before us today are currently serving in these roles and have been re-nominated by Treasurer Jose Cisneros. The requirements for each of their seats is to be a member of the public who has expertise in or academic background in public finance and are economically diverse and bipartisan in political registration. I'd first like to invite up Brenda Quee McNulty, um, who has been renominated to seat number seven. As always, I'd like to ask nominees to keep their remarks to uh, no more than two minutes and uh, be available for questions if necessary. Ms. Quee McNulty, welcome to the Rules Committee. The floor is yours. Good morning, <clears throat> excuse me. Good morning, members of um, the Rules Committee. Um, my name is Brenda Queen McNulty, and um, I appear before you to seek a second term to serve on this commission. Um, first of all, um, let me tell you my qualifications. Um, I, have, I have a bachelor's degree in economics and I have a master's of business administration degree focusing on finance. Um, in addition to that, um, I'd like to share that I'm currently full-time retired, but I have over 33 years of experience working in the financial services in industry. Uh, just to give you an idea of the types of jobs I had, um, I had managed um, cash for a large corporation, W.L. Grace, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, I have worked for the treasurer in financings. I've ran a bond portfolio. I've managed foreign exchange, which is not particularly relevant to this position. Um, I've also had um, experience in budgeting and understanding the cash needs and operational needs of certain operations. Um, I've also been um, an investment advisor, so a great deal of my experience had been related to investments. Um, next, I would like to share a little bit with you my understanding of how commissions work in the city. This is my second term, but prior to um, my service in the Treasury Oversight Committee, I served on CGOBOC, um, Citizens General Obligation Bonds, and for two terms, and one of those terms I was chair. So I have a good understanding of the role of citizen commissions, um, what we add input to city governance, and what we can or cannot do. Currently, in this particular committee, our role as public members are of an advisory nature because Jose and his team, they're the ones that are managing and doing the day-to-day -day operations. Um, last but not least, um, I would like to remind um, the members of the Rules Committee that um, I do have four more years of experience in this actual committee. Um, which I didn't have when I stood before you four years ago. Um, I've attended every single meeting during my tenure in person um, before COVID and, of course, virtually during COVID. Um, I, I've, in the last four years of this, I've had gained a different type of experience, um, which I hope will give me additional expertise 
to carry on a second term. So with that, I'm open to whatever questions you may have for me. Great, thank you so much. Um, I don't see any questions on the roster, so thanks so much, if it's okay. I would like now to um, invite up um, Amy Brown, who has thank been renominated for seat six. And Amy, I hope that I'm pronouncing that right. But welcome to the Rules Committee, and the floor is yours. Thank you, good morning. Um, similar to Brenda, I'm up for reappointment uh, this morning. And similar to Brenda, I too have a lot of expertise in the financial services industry, and I have three areas that I really want to call out. The first is expertise in public finance, which is written into the ordinance. And I was involved with state and local financings for approximately 30 years. And during uh, my career, I'm proud to say that I served as financial advisor to the SFPUC for a number of years and several other financings, including the Civic Center Superior Courthouse and some refinancings of the Moscone Center. I worked for a major uh, investment banking firm for 15 years, but I'm most proud of the fact that um, I uh, was an owner of a nationally recognized women-owned and San Francisco LBE firm uh, employing about seven to ten people locally. Uh, my firm caused me to experience what I think is the second qualification for somebody being on this committee, and my firm was subject to monthly, quarterly, and annual audits by the SEC, NASD, and the MSRB, which was the oversight board for the municipal industry, and I served on that oversight board for three years. I also assisted many of my clients in efficiently investing their bond proceeds, which is a major task of the San Francisco Treasurer's Office. And lastly, I have extensive other experience serving boards and oversight committees. Um, as you can see from my application, um, it's been wide ranging from public finance and securities related boards to nonprofits and small corporate boards. In San Francisco, before the Treasury Oversight Committee, I was a member of the Revenue Bond Oversight Committee for the PUC, where I served as chair for five of the eight years of my term. Um, I've worked for some local nonprofits, what the one now called the Bay Ecotarium, which was a combination of the Bay Institute and the Aquarium of the Bay, and Angel Island Conservancy, where I was involved with their financial oversight and governance issues. Currently, I'm a board member and treasurer for Coro of Northern California. And the organization, as many of you might know, uh, we work with both the youth, the neighborhood neighborhood leadership programs um, and there are many graduates of our programs who are currently work throughout the city so we're, it's a little bit of an aside but you were mentioning Diane Feinstein before she is a Coro graduate and so is Senator Padilla so we're very proud of that uh, I'm interested in the Treasury, continuing with the Treasury Oversight Committee because these duties obviously match my long-term interests and expertise and experiences. And uh, during my semi-retirement, I like to call it contributed to the community in which I live. So I'm ready for any questions if you have them. Thank you so much. I don't see anybody on the roster with questions or comments, but I would just 
say that I think uh, you know the lack of uh, questions I, I don't think should be interpreted in any way about a lack of appreciation for this um, and I, I eminently well qualified both of you and I just really appreciate the continuity and your willingness to continue serving in this um, important role. Um, Mr. Clerk, can we open this up to public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this, these items and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call in line, please press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that'll be your cue to begin your comment. There does not appear to be anybody in the room for public comment and there's nobody on the telephone line for public comment at this time. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on this item is now closed. And I would like to make a motion to strike reject wherever it appears in these two motions and then to send item numbers one and two to the full board with a positive recommendation. Mr. Clerk, can we have a roll call on that motion? Uh, yes, the motion is to strike reject uh, throughout the legislation or throughout the motion and to recommend the matter as amended. On that matter, Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, on a unanimous vote then, item number one, appointment, Treasury Oversight Committee, Brenda Quee McNulty, and item number two, appointment, Treasury Oversight Committee, Amy Brown, are sent to the full board um, as amended. Mr. Clerk, can we call item number three? Yes, item number three is a hearing to consider appointing one member term ending April 27, 2024 to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. One seat, one applicant. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, we are hearing one seat today, seat number five. This seat is nominated by the local chapter of the League of Women Voters and is for the unexpired portion of a two-year term ending April 17, 2024. The League has nominated Maxine Anderson. Uh, once again, I'll reiterate that we generally ask uh, appointees and applicants to keep their remarks to no more than a couple minutes. Ms. Anderson, welcome to the Rules Committee. The floor is yours. Thank you very much and good morning to all of you and thank you for your public service. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm, I pretty much said everything I want to say about myself and I'm normally brief about myself, but one thing I wanna bring before you is that one of the things that got me into working in the areas of public service and transparency was I had found that during the 2000 election, I was spending a lot of time uh, yelling at my TV and because I was angry and I finally got to the point in 2004 where I said, yelling at my TV doesn't do any good, so I need to get up and maybe do something about it. And so that started my journey to doing something other than being a citizen that voted. I wanted to be a citizen that also participated in government, which is how I wound up here. It was like a cascading list of things that occurred. I started registering voters. I did uh, work with the League of Women Voters in informing voters. I learned more about what the processes were in government because I, like many citizens, only knew vote but there's so much more that goes into it. And I believe, and I've, my beliefs have been strengthened that what we need is the transparency in government that allows ordinary citizens to look at their government and say, yes, you are doing what I want you to do, or no, you're not doing what I want you to do, and then have a mechanism to make their voices heard. So, which is how 
I'm winding up here <laughs> of with the nominee, being a nominee for the uh, Sunshine Ordinance Task Force because I believe it is an important part of government to have transparency in government. And if I can help push that boulder up the, excuse me, up the hill, then I'm willing to work to push that boulder up the hill. So that's why I'm here. Brevity is, <laughs> I'm always brief. Yeah. Thank but you. thank you very much for considering my application for this position. Great. Thank you so much, Ms. Anderson. I will just um, say I am a colleague, former colleague of yours from the city attorney's office, and I, I just really appreciate um, after the many years that we worked. I think you might have left a couple years. Uh, I think you retired a couple years before I left the city attorney's office, but I think we worked together for a dozen years, and I can certainly attest to your commitment to our city. And I, I really just appreciate um, your willingness to continue uh, to serve on this body. One thing that I would ask about, and this is something that I've talked to some folks about um, on the committee, is I'm hoping that in the next couple of years we can start thinking about ways that we can work on process improvements to Sunshine. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I have seen over the years as somebody who's handled a lot of Sunshine requests myself is it, it would be nice if there could be a way that information technology could kind of just have a process for speeding up report things so that it's um, it's not gumming up other people's jobs. In other words, there's there are ways I think in this day and age um, that we might want to think about having a Department of Information Technology take handle the request, here's the relevant or the responsive emails, maybe having it go to the city attorney's office, here's what needs to be redacted to just improve processes that I think would unburden some of the folks who, who get, get, you know, who have other jobs, you know, quite honestly, um, but also improve transparency. Um, so I would welcome the opportunity to work on that with you. Okay. If, if that's Thank something you're open to. Any thoughts on, on process yeah, improvements? Thank you very much as one of the people in the city attorney's office who would get those sunshine ordinance requests and then pass them along to the different departments. I believe that with the growth of technology that there are ways that we can um, work with the system to make it more efficient, I guess is the best way to put it. But uh, always the elephant in the, in the room is, will we get the funding yeah. to do that? So we may want to do it. Yeah. But if we don't get the funding to do it, then people just get frustrated because they don't understand that those two things go together. So, yes, I agree that there should be ways we should be able to streamline it. There should be ways we should be able to get our, um, the decisions from Sunshine Ordinance um, in a database that people, that's easily searchable. Um, that we can work with departments to make sure we're all operating on the same systems. Hey, I'd love it, yeah, <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure everybody else on Sunshine would love it also. And it's good to see that that you have that same thought in mind. And I look forward to working with you. I look forward to working with you all on making sure that that sort of thing can happen. I do think I, when it comes to transparency and Sunshine, you know, look, it's undeniable that there are costs that are associated with responding to public records requests. It's, it's, to me, it's reminiscent of what Derek Bach used to say about education, that if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. If you think transparency is expensive, um, try how expensive it is to have a government that isn't accountable and that isn't transparent. 
So I always, I tend to think just as a matter of principle, this is something that we should be investing money. I agree. So I appreciate your support. I don't see anybody on the roster with questions, but um, Mr. Clerk, can we open this up for public comment? And thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and joining us in person should line to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call in line, please press star three to enter the speaker line. Those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that will be your cue to begin your comment. I do not see anybody in the room for public comment at this time. And we have two callers on the line for uh, public comment. Can we have our first caller? Hi, I'm Jen Say, and I'm calling on behalf of the League of Women Voters of San Francisco to support the appointment of Maxine Anderson to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Maxine has been an active member and contributor to many of our league committees for decades, serving on the board of directors of both the League of Women Voters of San Francisco and California. She has demonstrated her commitment to government transparency and has gained familiarity with the Sunshine Ordinance and the Brown Act during her work with the San Franciscans for Sunshine and the League of Women Voters of San Francisco Advocacy Committee during her time as chair. Maxine is known in the community as a defender of democracy and an advocate for all San Franciscans. And the League strongly encourages you to appoint Maxine Anderson to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Great. Uh, good morning, David Pilpel. Um, as you've heard, Maxine Anderson has been a longtime activist with the League of Women Voters uh, San Francisco and California. Her passion is uh, evident. Um, I look forward to her serving on the uh, task force. I am sure that she will contribute to the spirited uh, debate and uh, discussion. Uh, and I can also assure uh, Chair Dorsey and the other members and anyone listening that some of the process improvements and changes that you uh, suggested are already um, in the works and being considered and um, uh, improving the uh, stature of the task force uh, in the city and with respect to uh, complainants, respondents, and the process in general is certainly a shared goal and one that is very much uh, in the works. So I look forward to uh, Maxine serving, and thanks for listening. Thank you. That completes our list of uh, telephone public commenters. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on item number three is now closed. And I will make a motion to recommend Maxine Anderson to seat number five of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force and send her appointment to the full board. Mr. Clerk, can we have a roll call on that motion? Yes, on that motion. Vice Chair Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Great. On a unanimous vote, then, Maxine Anderson is recommended to seat five on the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, and her appointment moves to the full board. Congratulations. Mr. Clerk, will you please call item number four? Yes, item number four is an ordinance approving the surveillance technology policy for the Department of Elections, use of social media monitoring technology. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, this policy has gone through the uh, process of the Committee on Information Technology, or COIT, um, and I believe COIT Director Jillian Johnson is on standby if there's any questions, but Department of Elections Director John Arts 
is here to pre present. Uh, Director Arntz, welcome to the Rules Committee. The floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Supervisors. So the department's request today is to essentially acquire a program that acts as a dashboard for social media uh, uh, postings. So we could have the, the Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Nextdoor, Instagram uh, located on one screen, not having to, to, to uh, use four different uh, programs to do one social posting. And we, are, we can also track the responses we get from the media in one spot too, instead of having to monitor three different, uh, four different accounts. Um, if we can use this tool, we can also link, sync it to our outreach calendar, which is online with, on our website, so people can, can follow uh, what's happening in the department through the social media, and then we can link that into the, the calendar where they can request an outreach event. We can then move that information over to our outreach calendar on our website. So really, it's an efficiency tool. We're not, I know this has gone through the surveillance technology process, but this is not in any way us trying to collect information or use information of, of individuals that would interact with the voters, uh, with, with the department through social media. Um, and again, it's just, just a dashboard, so we have everything in one place, and uh, we can actually reduce the number of people that work on social media because we're not having different people using different accounts within the department. So. And with that, I can really take any questions on this topic. Um, could I ask, what, what is the, is it an off-the-shelf product or? Yeah. What, okay. Yeah. What, what is the, is it a, just curious, because I was going through it, what is the brand name of the? We actually don't have it yet. Uh, okay. Because we're waiting to, to finish this process. Oh. Okay. Uh, the, the couple that are out there, one's Hootsuite, other is Sprouts. Uh, we just uh, downloaded a trial version of Sprouts on Friday so I could have an idea uh, of what it could look like prior to this hearing, and basically it's just having tiles on the on the screen with the di with the different accounts, and then you can bring a calendar up and you can schedule in that calendar which postings will happen, uh, in which account, and then and then you can uh, you can track uh, your postings or you can schedule your postings. As far as tracking is concerned, we're not we're not tracking individuals. We're tracking the number of, of hits, number of responses, number of, of questions are asked to to a specific posting that, that we uh, put out there. And that just gives us a sense too of, of you know, what is engaging with, with the voters and the public you know, and what, what information perhaps is less interesting to them. And if there's a topic where they're, they're, they're responding or they're, or they're asking us questions, we can get a sense uh, of what topics are pertinent at, at the moment as we go through the cycle. Can I ask just when the process started? Was it, because looking back, I think this was at least around March, this was. Oh, this is before March. There was there was actually several meetings at Coit on this, and uh, it started. I don't remember. The, I don't know the exact date, uh, but it was I think in 2022 that we actually started this process to do the application, have the uh, several meetings at Coit, and going through its process. So it's it's been a while for us to to get here. Colleagues, any questions? Seeing none, um, thank you so much. I think that's good. Uh, Mr. Clerk, can we open this up to public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and joining us in, in person should line speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call line, please press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that'll be your cue to begin your comment. I don't see anybody in the room in line for public comment. And we have one caller for public comment on this matter. Can we have our first public commenter? 
Great. David Pilpel again. So I believe the Elections Department request here is a reasonable use of technology, not the kind of mass surveillance that others may be concerned about. I encourage you to uh, support this uh, ordinance and their use of the social media monitoring technology proposed here. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, that completes public comment on this matter. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on item number four is now closed. And I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with a positive recommendation. Mr. Clerk, can we have a roll call on that motion? Yes, on the motion to recommend this matter. Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. On a unanimous vote then, item number four, Administrative Code, Surveillance Technology Policy, Department of Elections, Use of Social Media model Monitoring Technology moves to the full board with a positive recommendation. Thank you, Mr. Arts. Uh, Mr. Clerk, could you please call item number five? Item number five is the ordinance amending the Administrative Code to clarify that a contractor may be suspended or debarred due to violations of certain state or local labor laws governing the payment of wages and unfair labor practices. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And this item is sponsored and authored by our colleague, Supervisor Connie Chan, who is joining us this morning. Supervisor Chan, welcome to the Rules Committee. Uh, the floor is yours. Thank you, Chair Dorsey. And so thank you so much for calendar this uh, legislation. Um, colleagues, one of San Francisco core values and indeed a source of pride is that we are a union town. Uh, we prioritize our work and legislations and um, resources supporting our workers all across town. San Francisco has passed more worker protections laws than any other local government in our country. We were the first city to implement our own minimum wage, pay sick leave, and pay parental leave laws. We also uh, established the country's first municipal labor enforcement agency, our own, our very own, the Office of Labor Standard Enforcement. The legislation before you today uh, is intended to give us another tool, another legislative tool, to help us guarantee that we continue this uh, momentum of holding employers, uh, particularly bad employers, accountable, and that all of our us uh, as members of the Board of Supervisors are being good stewards of our public and so this law particularly is to govern um, how what the board can do with a bad employer uh, who are also contractors with the city and with the existing contractors. Uh, what our legislation today uh, does is very simple. It adds wage theft. Uh, and unfair labor practices uh, or any violation of laws that governing labor practices to the list of criteria that allow the city to seek suspension or debarment of a city contractor. Suspensions and debarment have been tools to disqualify contractors from the city bidding process, and it has been one that our city attorney's office has used effectively against contractor, uh, especially those already convicted of criminal activities or crimes um, like fraud. Um, when we have employers that have been found to be intentionally or willfully uh, violating laws, like uh, especially in this case now with this legislation, labor laws like wage theft. This is a strong tool in our toolbox to make sure bad employers know their actions are not something we will tolerate. 
So I'm pleased to have the support of the Chinese Progressive Association, which organizes low-income and working-class Chinese immigrants to demand better living and working conditions and justice for all people. Um, and they really are the one that who brought this concern uh, to our office. Um, and that today, that what you see is a result of um, collaboration and discussions to see what we what else we can do to make. Uh, to hold bad contractors uh, spending city dollars uh, accountable. I would also like to thank Supervisor Walton uh, for your co-sponsorship, and I'm happy to take any question. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Uh, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you so much, Chair Dorsey, and thank you, Supervisor Chan. I just want to state for the record how important it is to make sure that our workers are protected and that people who do business with our city understand we won't tolerate any violations of our labor laws and our values as a city. And it really is unfortunate that we do have employers out there uh, that will try to take advantage of our workers, but we cannot allow this here in San Francisco. I want to thank Supervisor Chan for bringing this forward, and I am proud to be a co-sponsor. Thank you, Vice Chair Walton. Supervisor Safai. Uh, thank you, uh Supervisor Chan for bringing this important piece of legislation forward. It's, it's during these difficult economic times that we hear more and more from people, uh, workers and frontline workers, that wages are being uh, stolen from them. Uh, people are not being paid, uh, mistreatment in the workplace. And so it's important that we stand up and strengthen and ensure that uh, contractors that are violating and the trust of the public as well as uh, violating the trust of the people that work for them are held accountable and should not be doing business with the city and county of San Francisco. So uh, thank you, uh, Supervisor Chan, and for your hard work on this, and please add me as a co-sponsor. Great, thank you, Supervisor Safai, and I just want to um, add my uh, expression of appreciation to Supervisor Chan and to um, Vice Chair Walton for their work on this. I will say that, uh, you know, Often I mention um, my p past work. I think you and I are both, Supervisor Chan, influenced a lot by the time that we spent here in, in various roles. But in the city attorney's office, I was involved in cases that um, in, had debarments uh, for the right reasons because of the fraudulent activities, usually just for the city. But I think it's important to what, what your legislation recognizes is it may not be the city directly, that is paying the price here, but indirectly it is. Um, and I think it is very important, especially when one considers that the people who are most often vulnerable to wage theft and benefits theft, the kinds of um, crimes against workers, uh, they're often in a vulnerable position. And this is where I think having the, the weight of the city and the threat of a debarment um, which is just you're not going to be able to do business with the city and county of San Francisco anymore. This is something that um, can have an influential effect and better protect workers. So I want to be added as a co-sponsor as well, and I really appreciate these cases that I used to work on with uh, the Office of Labor and Standards Enforcement and the city attorney's office are the ones that were often closest to my heart just because... Um, it was a fight for people to understand why this is bad. It wasn't always as high profile or the headline grabbing, um, but for a family uh, that's really struggling to make ends meet, these kinds of things really matter. So I appreciate it. 
And uh, seeing no one else on the roster, uh, Mr. Clerk, can we open this up to public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call in line, please press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comments. Can we have our first in-person speaker? Good morning. Um, my name is Chema Hernandez-Gill. I'm the political organizer for SEIU Local 10 to 1. Uh, local 10 to 1 uh, supports this proposed ordinance. Um, it is logical to us uh, that contractors that abuse their workers or treat them unfairly uh, should risk suspension or debarment. Uh, we're also confident that the way this is written, uh, it will be will be only used for the worst actors. Um, workers, many of them, of course, are members uh, that work for many nonprofit agencies, really appreciate this mechanism, and we greatly thank uh, Supervisor Chan for her leadership in this, and thank you for co-sponsoring, and hopefully moving this forward. Good morning, Debbie Lerman, San Francisco Human Services Network. Um, I wanna start by saying that Obviously, we do not want contractors working for the city who are committing um, egregious violations of our laws. Um, we have had a lot of questions, I won't even say concerns, it's questions about how the whole debarment process works and what safeguards are built into that process to ensure that it is not used in an unjust manner to pressure employers. Um, we still have several unresolved questions, unfortunately. We had actually hoped it would be continued today so we could just get more clarification on those questions. Um, whatever your decision, we hope that you will work with us to, to help us get that clarity and ensure that contractors will not find themselves in a situation like that. Um, and to make sure, and particularly in the human services world where something like the threat of debarment could lead to tremendous fear on the part of clients and, and a threat to vital services, that those kinds of issues are worked out and, and we can get the questions answered that we've put out there. Thank you so much. Thank you. There being no further speakers in, in chamber, uh, there are no callers on the telephone line for public comment. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Supervisor Chan. Do you want to close a public comment? Oh, yeah, yeah, public comment on this item is now closed. Thank you. Thank you, um, Chair uh, Dorsey, and I uh, just wanted to articulate colleagues, and uh, as I, I did, do not want to uh, bring up, but there were bad apples, like, uh, unfortunately, like contractor, like Walter Wong and some others that were, you know, found with, like, criminal charges and conviction. Um, it took, actually, uh, the city even a, a while to get to the debarment, and so the debarment process and suspension um, will really is egregious uh, behaviors and, um, and in this case that uh, there's conversation with the city attorney that we do not take the process of suspension and debarment lightly. Um, we, we understand of it. Uh, that is must be something that has uh, proved to, um, to be it in the, uh, through the Office of Labor Standards Enforcement, uh, California state law, as well as national labor law that is in deemed violations of laws uh, in order for us to be able to even start 
uh, with the conversation or triggering the process of suspension and debarment, but we totally understand the Human Services Network's concerns and uh, happy to continue to have those conversations and see how we can address them, uh, if necessary, to have language that would do that. Um, but given the fact that next week, um, colleagues, um, is the Indigenous uh, People's Day and that we will also have, uh, so no rules committee nor the board uh, hearing, uh, happy to continue that conversation. If we can make the motion to move this out of, to full board and uh, allow us to have uh, the next uh, week or two to have these conversations, and if need be, we will come back to you at full board uh, with potential uh, amendment uh, if we could figure out a solution or that we do a better job to just continue that conversation to figure out how to safeguard it. Uh, in the future, uh, we've been having this conversation during uh, recess as well, um, and it, since its introduction, which is uh, in July, uh, June and July. So, it's it's going to be ongoing, and you know we will keep working at it. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Chan, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you, Chair Dorsey. I would like to move that we send this forward to the full board with a positive recommendation. Okay. Thank you, Vice Chair Walton. Uh, Mr. Clerk, roll call on that motion. Uh, yes, on that motion. Vice Chair Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. On a unanimous vote, then, item number five, administrative codes, suspension or debarment of contractors based on violation of labor laws goes to the full board with a positive recommendation. Thank you. Mr. Clerk. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Uh, Mr. Clerk, could you please call item number six? Item number six is an ordinance establishing the Labor and Employment Code redesignating Workers' Protection Ordinance and ordinances related to employees of city contractors currently in the Administrative Code and the Police Code and provisions of the new Labor and Employment Code and direct the city attorney to renumber the provisions added to the Labor and Employment Code and to update cross-reference throughout the Municipal Code. Thank you, Mr. Clerk, and this is authored by our colleague, Supervisor Asher Safai, who I believe is uh, prepared to speak about this. Supervisor Safai, the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, colleagues, this item is part of my efforts uh, to improve working conditions for San Franciscans and make it easier to understand the city's codes. Uh, earlier this year, I worked with the city attorney's office to draft legislation that helps displaced workers like janitors and security guards uh, get justice. The city has an Office of Labor Standards Enforcement that can do administrative enforcement. The city attorney has a labor team that can bring affirmative litigation. So we updated the law to use all the tools in the toolbox to take on this issue. We learned that back when the original displaced worker ordinance was written and put into the police code, the only way to enforce it was through a private lawsuit brought by employees. Uh, we also learned that labor protections are scattered throughout various codes making it very difficult for workers and employers to find what they need and comply with the laws. Although, although this ordinance makes no substantive changes at this time, it establishes the Labor and Employment Code to join the Charter and the 15 other specific codes that make up our municipal code. Uh, division, I will cover, <clears throat> division I will cover worker protections generally for all employees, both public and private, like Laws like the minimum wage, paid sick leave, lactation in the workplace, grocery worker retention, 19 in all. 
Division two will cover those that primarily impact city contractors, nine laws, and some of our most important prevailing wage, minimum compensation, healthcare accountability, and more. As a clerical matter, the law also strikes three laws that have expired by operational law related to COVID-19. I want to thank the city attorney's office, especially Matt Goldberg, the Office of Labor Standards, led by Pat Mulligan, and, and for working on this simple code cleanup. Um, and with that, colleagues, I would ask for your support and send this to the board uh, with positive recommendation on October 17th. Great. Thank you, Supervisor Safai. And I just want to express my appreciation to you for your work on this. I know that uh, code cleanup and renumbering and thing, this is, uh, you know, thankless but important work. And um, I think this is a good uh, change that I am happy to support. Uh, seeing no one else on the roster, uh, Mr. Clerk, can we open this up to public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this matter and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call in line, please press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted and that'll be your cue to begin your comment. There's nobody in the room for public comment at this time and we have one caller for public comment. Can we have that caller please? Great, David Pilpel again. So I heard Supervisor Safai's explanation, and I'm sorry, I still don't quite understand the need for this new labor and employment code and wondering if there's another way. I understand that the various uh, laws and, and provisions are scattered uh, throughout and there's an, an interest in centralizing them. Might it be possible instead to create uh, a new chapter in the administrative code and possibly uh, in the police code uh, to uh, achieve the same intent with uh, uh, whatever it is, Division uh, One and, and Division Two uh, here with respect to uh, employers and employees generally and city contractors uh, more specifically. Um, I'm just concerned about adding a new uh, code, just like I wasn't particularly crazy about the campaign and governmental uh, conduct code and uh, the, election, the municipal elections code, I think having the code continue to um, proliferate is also not uh, a great idea, despite um, making additions and changes to the, the various laws. So I'm just wondering if there's mm -hmm. another way to achieve uh, this goal short of uh, creating an entirely new uh, code and moving uh, sections of existing um, municipal and uh, existing administrative and police codes uh, there. So anyway, that's that's my thought. If this is the only or the best way to achieve it, then um, so be it. But I just wanted to express those concerns, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you. That was our last caller on the public comment telephone line. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on item number six is now closed. And Supervisor Safai, would you like to make the motion? Yes, thank you. I'd like to make a motion to send this to the full board with positive recommendation for the hearing on full board meeting on October the 17th. Great, thank you, Supervisor Safai. Mr. Clerk, can we have a roll call on that motion? Yes, on that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. 
Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. On a unanimous vote, then, item number six, administrative police codes establishing the labor and employment code is sent to the full board with a positive recommendation. Mr. Clerk, do we have any further business? That completes our agenda for today. Great. Thank you, everybody. We are adjourned.